for the message. Lord, we just pray for the dads that are here. But all they're doing and all they're going to do bring the families together, Lord God. Teach them how to be biblical men. Men of standard and stature. We ask, Lord God, for your mighty hand to sweep through the sanctuary and bless these dads today on this day. As we, we know we got the best example of a heavenly father. And we give you the glory for it in thy name. Amen. Amen. Applaud the Lord. Tell your neighbor to sit down. So remember compassion is sympathy and concern for the suffering. And, um, you know, I, I was sitting here, so I, I didn't know any of this, but I wanted to tell you this. It's important that dads teach how to care for their families because one day your kids may be taking care of you. I was, I was thinking about that today. I never dreamed that I would be caring for my dad. But I know how to care for my dad because that's the way my dad raised me. So it's, it's, it's you know, and everybody keeps asking me about that. It's a non-issue for me. That's, I was raised, I was raised, and I watched my dad take care of his family. So it's very natural for me to take care of my family. And I thank my dad for, I thank God for my dad that he taught me that principle. Um, you never know when you're going to have to take care of somebody. You never know when you're going to have to uh, have compassion. Um, and I'm so glad. I'm so blessed by that and, and, and glad to have a, a great family that I can share the love of Christ with. Amen? Amen. Um, and maybe your situation's a little different or maybe things are off or out of balance or something like that. God can bring everything back into balance. It doesn't matter how you start out. It's how you finish. We all got some rough starts, except the holier-than-thou people. We all have some rough starts of some way. And, and everybody thinks that their situation is unique, and it is uh, in some aspects. But when you get everybody together in a church and you're sitting next to them, you can kind of just look at them and go, man, you're just like me. Not much different. Amen. That's why God told us to congregate together so we could kind of go through this thing uh, as a group. Amen? Amen? And I always tell my guys, I said, here's the deal. They can't whip us all. Amen? I mean, I like our odds. I've read the back of the book. And we're going to win this battle. Well, let's get to the text so we can get going on this. I know you guys are going out for uh, lunch. You know what? And I got don't I don't care where you take me. Just make sure there's meat there when I get there. When you're ta when you're taking your dad, don't take him to a salad bar. Dad, you ready to go out for a? Let's go for a big salad and a tofu burger. Amen? Amen. Uh, amen. I'm having fun today. 
know, as you get older, you get excited just about it, over anything. You're like, yeah, and you're like, Dad, you've seen that before. That's why I like hanging around with old people. You can tell the same joke over and over again. They think it's new. Amen. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me, and he divided his property between them. Now, I'll just tell you this. You know, Keith, that this is a bad idea. But the dad's doing it anyways. Say that with me. The dad's doing it anyways. And I'm just going to tell you the story. So when my son was young, I think all guys, I think all boys should learn how to drive a stick shift. Whaley, they need to be out in the middle of the field in a pickup truck learning how to drive a stick shift until they get it down. Well, when my son was growing up, I told him to drive a stick shift. But the problem with me teaching him how to do that is my wife's car was in front. It's a true story. I said, go ahead and start her up. I just took it for granted he knew what the pedal was on the left. Push the clutch in. When you don't push the clutch in on a stick shift, the truck walks when the starter's turning. And it smashes in to my wife's car. And me being a, say this with me, a compassionate father. I said, oh, don't worry about it, Patrick. And she goes, my foot don't act. He just hit my car. Same here. The daddy's given him his share of the property and all this kind of stuff. And sometimes we know you're giving your kids too much responsibility, but after they've bugged you enough for it, you let them do it because you're trying to teach them a lesson. You're trying to teach them a lesson. That's, that's basically what's going on here. You Let's just call this dad a super rich dad. He has a ranch. Let's just go. He got a hundred acre ranch, just a huge ranch. He's got, and, and this kid wants some of the, the spoils of this place and the dad's going to give it to him. And you know that some of the stuff's going to end up at the pawn shop. Yeah. Amen. Anybody ever take anything to a pawn shop? I'm right at the wrong church. Yeah. <laughs> some of you guys are like, I'm not raising my hand on nothing. You're ta- you're, t- and that's the way you think when you're a young man. When your dad gives you something of that value, Chris, you go, this is either going to work out or I can take it to the pawn shop and get about a tenth of what it's worth. Same here. Let's see how the father responds with compassion. Remember, it's sympathy, concern for the suffering. And it's usually the suffering comes and then the dad has to step in. And I told you about the car wreck, you know, the... You, you check on the child, make sure that the child's okay, then the check on the car, and we'll deal with the car later. Let's see what he says here. So, verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And basically what this means is, is the boy went and got a bachelor pad. 
I've told you about bachelor pads. Lady, if you, ladies, if you don't know that, they are, guys just don't clean when they live with another guy. They just kick stuff under the bed. Dirty clothes, food that hits the floor. Same things going on right here. Thousands of years have not changed the behavior of young men. And I'll just say this, I've said it before, now we know why insurance companies charge so much money for young guys. Because their brain leaves their skull from the time they're 18 to the time they're 26. Given the keys to that boy. He needs to drive the biggest, you know what I think all boys should drive really is a uh, 1970 country squire. Station wagon. And pull a few plug wires on it. Just so it doesn't go over 15. I mean, don't you feel like that after your kids are grown? You're like, man, you should have never been in that car. Did you ever see one of your friends come out and they're like, I mean, they found, I got the keys to the IROC. <laughs> that was a stupid move on your dad's part. Got the keys to the vet. <laughs> Say this with words. We're going to be responsible with that. Okay. Same. So verse 14 says, And they spent everything. And when he spent everything, he had a severe famine arose in the country, began to be in need. So he went to a hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country. And he's uh, in the field with the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with one of the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise him in verse 18 and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, uh, and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So he's thinking all this in his head. He's thinking he's going to get scolded and all that. And this is a time where the father runs out and reaches him with compassion. He should scold him, but he said, you know what? I'll do the teachable moment later. Let's set the teachable moment aside, meet the boy, and find out what his needs are. Let's read what the compassionate father does. So he rose, came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. You know, sometimes it, it could be like we just call it girls. This could happen to the girls too. And this could be the turning point in a relationship where the dad didn't talk to the, the son or the daughter for 15 years or 20 years. They had an episode. Sooner or later, usually... The, the boy and the dad usually have a come-to-Jesus meeting. Amen? Can I tell you? i got to tell you this story because I've told it before. I, I, was, I wasn't the model student you guys think I am. I'm just, I know you guys think I'm an A-plus. She was at school with me. I, Lisa would tell you, he, Rankin just wasn't an A-plus student. He was a, down a little lower on the scale. And that's the way I got So. Anyways, every once in a while, I could get hauled home by the boys in blue, police officers. 
I was sitting in a chair one time. My dad was scolding me or something. And, and dad, if you're watching the broadcast, you remember this. Uh, my dad smacked me, as he should, trying to get some sen sense back in me. And then I said something. So I had a lapse in judgment. <laughs> I want just the guys. I want the guys just to stand. All guys to stand up so you can receive this. Stand up for a second, guys. Just the guys, ladies, stay seated. And you've probably done this too. Whatever, do this with me. Yeah, I mean, put out your chest a little bit. Put it out there. I mean, like you're ready for it. I told my dad, I said, <laughs> Bruce, is that as hard as you can hit? <laughs> Slap my wrist and call me George. He hit me so hard my driver's license got a black eye. You can be seated. Don't do that. Can I keep preaching? Uh, it's, it's just testosterone. It, it gets up and, and it gets guys, you know, and they'll even kind of, every once in a while, a guy will just square off with another guy. It's just a natural thing that's like two bulls in, in a bull pit. They're going to square off eventually. Amen? Uh he felt compassion and ran back, embraced him, and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, so instead of scolding him, Mr. Colt, he says, kill the fatted calf, put a robe on his back, sandals on his feet, and slap a ring on his finger. We're going to celebrate. Boy, that caught the devil off guard, didn't it? He thought we were going to have a hoot nanny right out here in the middle of the field. But sometimes the best way to get your point across is to act like Jesus instead of the way you would really like to act. And that'll even get a young person to think like, man, I wonder when he's going to whip me then. You know, sometimes not getting it is worse than actually getting it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because you're thinking about, I really should I really should be punished, but I'm not because my father's compassionate. Just like your heavenly body. We should be punished for the thing. And girls, I'll put you in here too. I should be punished, but I'm not getting punished because my heavenly father has compassion. Amen. Ask me how much compassion he's got. He's got so much compassion for you. They sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for you. It's a lot. Amen. Can I keep going? So we're getting son number one out of the way. We know he's screwed up. Isn't that just like a family? And as a parent, you want to kind of go, why don't you act like son number two instead of son number one? But don't ever compare your children to another child. Because they're not that child. They never will be and God never created them to be. They have their own identities, their own language, their own things that they like to do. And we need to continue to celebrate that. What you celebrate, you get more of. I promise you that. Whatever you celebrate, you'll get more of. And, and I've told you this before. I believe it's, it's easier to raise a Christian child than to fix an adult. 
Okay, so here we go with the older son. We already know his disposition, but I want to bring him up into the conversation anyways. Go down to verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. Boy, isn't that something? He hears, so he's out on the back 40, slapping the hogs, taking care of the cattle. There's flies, it's summertime. And over here in the house, dad's killed the fatted calf having a party. And he's going, woe is me. You know, he's wiping his brow and everything. But I can't believe the way. So he calls a servant over. Let's see what he asks the servant. Uh, if you're reading King James, you already know his, it, it would say that he's making Mary. He called one of the servants and asked him, I'm in verse 26, uh, what these things meant. He goes, I hear something going on. He goes, but I can't really believe that he would celebrate the way this kid lived. What's he calls a servant up. He goes, what's dad doing uh, with Johnny Rotten up in the house? He said, your, uh, he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he, is, he has received him back safe and sound. And I think the fatted calf was actually saved for uh, son number two because he was going to have a party that they had a great crop that year. Come on, help me out a little bit. The, the, watch this. The fatted calf, Lisa, was for me. Jesus died just for me. All this is, all this is just for me. Remember, I'm the chosen one. I'm the golden child. Raise your hand if you got one of them. It's all about what's saying. It's all about me. That's him on the ranch and his stuff and all that. But he answered his father and he said, Look how many years I have served you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never made me a young, uh, gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes and you killed the fatted calf. And he said to him, son, you're always with me. Say that with me. You're always with me. Always. And I think about that. And, uh, and I, oh, I was marrying some people here yesterday right at about noon and before. Uh, we came, uh, before I came into Miriam, there was a young guy that was outside the door. He was 19 years old. And he said, man, I, I heard about your ministry. You know, I want to come in and see it. He said, I want to see the boxing and see what's going on. He said, young guy. He said, I want and, and and so I walked him around the building, and I showed him the boxing, and I showed him the ring. He said, and then he looked at all the, the stuff that was going on here, and the axe and the log and everything. He said, I've never been to a, never been and seen a church where, where the guys are like me. He said, I, he said, I worked on a, on a big ranch in Nevada. He goes, I never thought I would be where, where there's people and guys like me. So I, I was taking them around and showing them all the things that God has given us and, and, and celebrating all that and, and sharing it with them. And he was just amazed. And that's what the, the, the message the father is trying to get over to the son right here. He says, You've all, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. 
He said, you got everything on the ranch. You got all kinds of cattle. You got all kinds of blessings. You got all kinds of location. And I told the church this last night. I went. I drove from my air-conditioned house, got in my air-conditioned car, drove down the highway in my new car to Moscow Mills, and went in my air-conditioned fellowship hall to my air-conditioned sanctuary, drinking hot coffee and eating brownies. It look at me and say, boy, you got it rough. <laughs> Am I mowing your lawn yet? Guys, everything that we got, the Lord has given us. Yeah. Amen. Let me ask you to rise as I read the last sentence here. I, I know that everybody on Facebook is telling you how rough you got it. Father's Day and it. And I know it's all, you know, I know everybody's uh, life wasn't tiptoed through the tulips. I understand that. But I, I, I'll guarantee here we, we need to understand today. Life isn't fair, Steve, but God is good. Life isn't fair, but God is good. I'm going to read this last verse and then I'm going to pray for you. And we got a few things going on. We got some baptism going on. We got a video for you and all these kinds of things. He says, It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So on Father's Day, let, let me say this. Let me say this to everybody here that's, that's here today. Your heavenly Father has provided a way of salvation that no one else could provide. And if you're waiting for the perfect life and the perfect church and the perfect this and the perfect that, you're going to be waiting for a long time because the only thing that ever combed this earth that was perfect is Jesus Christ himself. So I'm going I'm to ask Andy to start back here on the piano just a little bit, and then I want to talk to you. I want to drop the house lights down just to, just to fuss, just to fuss. Can I tell you something? There isn't a higher honor in the world than being a daddy. There isn't a higher honor. God has, and, and, and I know that, I, I know that the, the woke society is not going to, like what I'm getting ready to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. God gave me this authority back in the garden thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. And then flooded the earth because it was so sin riddled. And then the only obedient ones were Noah and his family. And then after that, they were fruitful, and they multiplied. And the population was, was built back up. Now all those kids and, and all those families had to have a leader in the family. And guess who it is, Lamonis? It's me and you. And it doesn't matter if society likes it or not, or, or, or you want me to put on a skirt. Here's the thing, I'll never put one on. 
And I don't go along to get along. I'm, I'm, I'm called and ordained by God Almighty to preach the truth day in and day out. I've got to tell you the truth. God made us all a little different, but he called the man to be the head of the household. And let me tell you something, man, when you walk out here, don't apologize for the position he's put you in. We're not going to go on any apology tour just to, to make people happy out in the highways and byways. I don't apologize for having a beard and like hunting and driving trucks and riding livestock. I don't apologize for any of that. And my wife can't soften me up a little bit. Nor can society. But what I can do is I can be compassionate towards the family that he's given me. But also be firm. And I'll let the enemy know today the ground that he has taken we're fixing to take back. And we're not giving up anymore. We're not giving up any more ground. We're going to continue to preach the truth in love and help those who are struggling, baptize people, get them saved, get them married. So what about you? That leads me to the most important part of the message of the day on Father's Day. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. My kids all came over and we got to sit around and was eating pizza with my dad. I was thinking about that. I go, what, what a great deal. And maybe your deal's not going to work out like that, but it doesn't mean you can't get together and celebrate who you are. Father's Day is an important day and it shouldn't be forgotten about. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't know your Heavenly Father. Maybe you don't have direction. A lot of times people running around out on Facebook, we don't know what our job is. We don't know what we're supposed to do. Well, if you're a man, you're supposed to be called to be a leader. Lead where you're at. Don't shun that responsibility. And as a man, you're supposed to have your family at church. You're supposed to teach them the difference between right and wrong. And one of the most important examples is me leading a godly life before my daughter. So when my daughter decides to get married, she'll know what kind of man to marry. She... She won't, she won't be confused on who to marry. She, she'll say, oh, my dad wouldn't sign off on a guy like that. That's important, too, and it's important for your, for your boys as well. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. 
then you can just stay right where you're at today if you don't feel like coming down. Just raise your hand if you have a, a wayward child or somebody that's been out there or a, a dad who needs prayer. Or maybe you know somebody's got an identity crisis in their family today. That seems to be the epidemic right now. Don't know who we are. So, Father God, when we get up in the morning and we stand in front of the mirror, we know that we're made in your image. You didn't make a mistake. When I look at myself, Lord, by the way you've constructed me, I should be happy about the creation that I'm looking at. I have a healthy body and a healthy mind to lead my family into glory. And, Lord God, you gave me a beautiful wife to help me get this done. And she's my mate. She's my suitable helper for all things. And I'm so glad you put us together. We have beautiful children, Lord, and beautiful. Beautiful grandchildren. And Lord, I know you got two of my daughters already in glory with you. Would you relay a message to him today, dear sir? That when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there when it's my turn. But until then, Lord, I'll hold the fort down and do your bidding until you come back to get me. So I pray today, if somebody doesn't know you as Savior, they'll come on a bended knee as we give you the glory on this Father's Day. Jesus, Jesus' mighty name we pray.